Craft Beer Radio, Episode 8, August 4th, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week's show, our summer seasonal spectacular. Yeah, it's a nice little alliteration. We were having a little <laughs> discussion earlier that do alliterations need to have the same first two letters of the word or, or the, the first letter? letter? I always thought it was the first letter, so I think we do have an alliteration here. Yeah, I, I think it's technically uh, the, the first two letters, but again, that's one of those nitpicky things that... You know, I do all the time. Greg <laughs> <laughs> made me recut the very beginning of the episode and the date because I was saying 2005. Right, there's and no ands in numbers. Unless you have a, a decimal, like you can say 45 and 3 tenths or something like that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always thinking. So th- this is this is what you have to deal with if you if you uh, talk to me in without being on a regular show. You have to deal with me <laughs> criticizing every little thing you do. So I apologize. We uh, got the mic cables in for our mixer, and if you're noticing the lack of white noise, that is why. Or if so. you're noticing Jeff's dishwasher in the background, that's why, too, because you can uh, hear it. It just got noisy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's good to have some atmospheric sounds. This episode brought to you by Jeff's dishwasher. <laughs> As we start off, we go to news, and uh, the first news is that the cap is popped. The cap is popped. Saw it the- written up yesterday. Those of you who don't know what that means uh, or haven't been uh, keeping track, in North Carolina, they had the 6% alcohol in beer law. Yes, on beer only. Beer only. Wine, spirits, everything else could be fine, but beer could not be sold in the state or made in the state. I'm not sure if it's made, but could not be sold in the state if it was over 6%. A prohibition-era law. Right. The uh, shop owner, factory owners, did not want their blue-collar workers coming to work late on Mondays, <laughs> so they petitioned for this 6% cap. Wow. And so, I mean, you could go get Mad Dog red wine that's 20% or 30% alcohol that costs you 3 bucks. Well, that's fine. But getting a 6% beer, ooh. I mean, you think in 1930s, beer was pretty much all the same. Right. I mean, there were some pre-prohibition styles, but there weren't the big beers like we had now. That was Big beers are probably just like malt liquor. Mm-hmm. The factory owners could drink their wine with dinner and get their buzz on. Right. But they didn't want their workers kind of showing up late for work. Since the workers drank beer, they put that cap on. It's one of those inane laws. I guess there's also another law in North Carolina. You can't use an elephant to plow a field. I can understand that one because (laughs) elephants mess up all the stuff. So congratulations, everyone in North Carolina. And it's called Pop. It's called uh, the cap is Pop because there was an organization called Pop the Cap that was trying to get this law repealed. And it looks like they've done it. Well, I don't know if they succeeded to 100% of their goals because there is a new cap at 15%. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing they wanted it gone completely. Right. So they're... 15% is reasonable. I mean, you just can't get some of the huge... Yeah, if you look at the, the top 100 beers on Beer Advocate, there's a bunch that are over 6%. Yeah. Not very many that are over 15 So they're in a lot better shape than they used to be. That's for sure. And uh, they're just about home free. The, uh, it was passed in the Senate. After 10 days, the law goes into effect, or if the, if the governor signs it, it'll go into effect immediately. Mm-hmm. If he vetoes it before 10 days, then it would be vetoed. But that doesn't look like that's going to happen. That's good to hear. Congratulations to everybody in North Carolina. An annual contest by 
Wow, I can't say this. It's one. either Winecoop or Wincoop. I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced out loud, so I'm not hmm. sure. Wincoop Brewing in Denver, Colorado, have announced their Beer Drinker of the Year. This is a pretty involved competition. You have to have a beer resume showing like everything you do beer culture-wise, the beers you've drank, but also the homebrew club or the your local pub uh-huh. and beer tastings you've been to. You know, it's not just chugging beer. It's beer not some like, win contest with beer in it. No, it's like beer drinker as in the whole culture of beer. Oh, well, and uh, yeah. you know, so the guy who wins every year is usually quite deserving and is very knowledgeable in beer. His name is Tom Cisateri. From Virginia. Congratulations, he Tom. was in the top three or four for the past two years. Never won. <laughs> so this year... I wonder he, how you enter yourself in that contest. It starts out with regional competitions. Uh, I knew there was more about this before. I didn't look up the details on getting all the way through. But mm-hmm. there's regionals and then... So you start with your local pub and then you go farther. And, I see. And then you go out to Denver for the competition. And uh, so it's a, it's a neat thing. Check it out if you have more information. They should televise that. Put on ESPN, the see, competition. <laughs> see, like I said, it, it's probably not that much. Of what, it's probably more just judging. Mm. There's essays you have to write and stuff like that. Like I said, it's not just all chugging beer. Next piece of news I have is that a Ontario beer trail has opened last week. The Ontario Craft Brewers in the LCBO. I think that's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Okay. Um, the Rot Spotlight's 25 breweries between Windsor and Ottawa. And um, we were talking about the New York Beer Trail. Yeah. And I saw this piece, and it's just another, cool. another neat vacation destination. Yeah, I'd love to give one of those a try. Just I was looking at the breweries on the trail, and I've only heard of a few of them, and I've never had any of their beers. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think a lot of them are probably your regional lager type, like a, uh, like a Straub and like what we have around here. So I'm not sure if it's, you know, it's not all craft beer, but there might be some good beers mixed in there. I. And look through all the breweries. I mean, Straub's a decent lawnmower beer for what it is. Right. So it, as long as you don't run, you know, just have lager, 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 as long as you have some variety in there, it'll be fine. Yeah, and if any of you um, people are familiar with these breweries on this trail, let us know. OntarioCraftBrewers.ca is where you can find more information about the trail. Sounds cool. We should put a link on our site. We will. It'll be in the, uh, the links part. Next piece of news. Ooh, I love this one. <laughs> yes, our friends at Anheuser-Busch are test marketing some fruity beers. Fruity beers. Fruity this beers. This is, I assume... And these are some crazy fruit flavors. These aren't like your traditional raspberry lambics or <laughs> black cherry lambics. In, uh, let's see, three towns are doing it in San Diego, Destin, Florida, and Phoenix. Yeah, I assume these are not going to be ales. These are probably going to be lagers with fruit flavoring mixed in, because I doubt Anheuser-Busch... <laughs> Um, would take the time to. Now, make I'm not sure how good they are. Now, I did see for one of a beer competition, some North American beer tasters competition mm-hmm. for the specialty fruit beer. They uh, took one, two, and three. Really? For these beers. Now, I don't know what competition they had. Yeah. There was um, yeah, some other. Anheuser Busch. There were some <laughs> other interesting winners. Let's just put it that way okay. that you wouldn't expect to win. But there were some, you know, Alaskan Brewing had a one, a um, whole bunch of um, Boundary Bay one, and there's good breweries. So there's good beers entered. But in these certain competitions, you wonder what their competition was. Let's see. Their, uh, let's see, their beers are a pomegranate raspberry, <laughs> a lime cactus, lime cactus, and a blood orange grapefruit. Huh. Well, blood orange grapefruit sounds kind of interesting. I mean, like we say, grapefruit is one of the flavors we like in beer. 
Blood Orange is a very um, sort of pungent orange taste. It's uh, Blood Orange is there. They look like they're very dark red. They taste kind of more orangey than an orange. They're good stuff. Okay. Lime Cactus. I wonder what that would taste like. I wonder what kind of cactus flavor they put in there. I mean, the the cactus flavor I guess most of us know is uh, from tequila, which is... Aguada. Yeah, the Aguada Cactus. And uh, what else is there? Pomegranate <laughs> Raspberry. I like pomegranates. Okay. I'm I love even... raspberries. Okay. It's just curious, you know, if they used fresh or extract. They probably... Yeah. I don't know if they... I would assume they'd use fresh with these crazy combinations. Yeah. And the kind of beer they put it in. Um, if any of you guys are listening from Phoenix, San Diego, or Destin, Florida, you happen to see these, and you don't mind giving a couple bucks to big evil corporations, let us know <laughs> what they're like. Hey, if they're good, we'll give them props, because it'd be about time to make something good, wouldn't it? I'm guessing they're overly fruity, and I wouldn't be surprised if they taste like a... Um, Wine cooler? One of those alternative yeah. Zima-type, or Smirnoff, or whatever the flavored ones are. I just wouldn't be surprised if they're leaning so far over there that they are almost that. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we'll have to try it out sometime. Okay. We have a couple big events coming up. On August 13th, we have the 18th annual Great Taste of the Midwest. This is a brew fest in Madison, Wisconsin. And I hear it is huge and hmm. hugely popular. I'm People get tickets away. and they and they scalp them on eBay and they go for over 100 bucks. Jeez. Yeah. Well, it says over 100 Midwestern microbreweries gather in Madison, Wisconsin, and show off their finest beers. Well, it does sound pretty cool. Out of 100 yeah, I mean, microbreweries imagine the Pen Fest times yeah. you know three and a quarter or something. Yeah, you know, that's insane. Okay, the Great American Beer Festival. It'd be hard is, not to get totally blitzed there. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great American Beer Festival, Denver, Colorado, on September 29th and the 30th. Yeah, I've always wondered about the Great American Beer Festival because it seems like they give out a heck of a lot of awards. There are always some beer saying that they won the Great American Beer Festival this year, that year. Yeah, there's well, there's three places for every category, yeah. and there's tons of categories. And, you know, they even have the American Standard Lager, the American yeah. Premium Lager, and the Light American Lager. And you can imagine who usually wins those ones. Yeah. But you get all the good categories, too. Uh, I plan on going some year. Not this year, but I just something you need to check out. You know, maybe if uh, this takes off, is is there yeah <laughs> is there like just a beer of show? I do think that I do believe they have a best of show. I couldn't tell you who won yeah. last year anywhere. I could probably look it up, but I don't know who won last year's best of show. It's probably a Dachshund or a uh, Dachshund. Yeah, it's never the Weimariner or the Greyhound. <laughs> okay, and the last event here on September 10th is Stone's ninth anniversary. They have a big event at the the brewery. It's a charity. It benefits the Boys and Girls Club, Surf Riders, YMCA, a few others. Mm-hmm. Main reason I mention it, since most of us don't live near Stones, is They'll Stones' anniversary beer. Yeah. And Stones' eighth anniversary. I love that I still have one bottle left, and I, I it was can't. pretty good. I remember liking it. It was a little too. It was a little kind of like arrogant bastard in the sense. It was like, hmm, you're gonna throw everything at you. Oh, well, they threw it at you. Yeah. I thought it was a good good thing. Um, <laughs> Keep your eyes out for the ninth anniversary beer. I'm kind of looking forward to their 10th. I just want to see how crazy they get with that one. Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch of emails from you. Thanks again for the emails. Like we always say, we love getting the emails. It encourages us to keep going and encourages us to to uh, keep doing the show for you guys. Okay, the first email we got was from our buddy Steve in Holland, Michigan. 
he had um, some more to say on the uh, chick beers. Chick beers. I don't want to just call it chick beers. Let's say the <laughs> girls who the, the husbands who are trying to get their girls their their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're girls and their wives. Yes, the husbands and uh, boyfriends who are trying to get their significant other into beer, what could they try? He mentioned that a lot of women seem to like a blue moon with orange. I, I guess. I mean, the thing is that if you start somebody off on a, on a beer that has some adjunct added to it, you know, just putting an orange into it, well, then they're kind of going to expect that in other beers. And you want to wean somebody into beers fully, not just beers with fruit in them, I would think. And I, I would also, I try to stay away from Blue Moon. If you're not aware, Blue Moon is owned by Coors. Uh-huh. Um, there's plenty of other good Belgian whites out there, Wits, Hefeweizens. You know, support a local craft brewer, and don't don't fall for the, the Blue Moon microbrewery facade. He also mentioned the Sam Adams Cherry Wheat, which is probably another good suggestion. It's, yeah. it's a pretty uh, fruity beer. I haven't had it since high school. <laughs> so I, I, I haven't had it in a long time. I don't really remember it very well. I, I you know, it sells relatively well, so I imagine it can't be horrible. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I mean, well, this, obviously, this is before I liked beer. Yeah, I, I liked Guinness at the time, and nothing else that I right, knew of. Right. So, yeah, it was, it was drinkable. It was good. It's. I should try it again. I'm really curious to see how. If I find it way too sweet and yeah. sticky, and it's just usually you go to a place if they have cherry wheat, they probably have other beers that are probably going to be up higher up on our list yeah and it's so far down on my let's try again list yeah. that i'll probably never get to it maybe we'll you get a bottle sometime from the bottle shop and just throw it out there maybe for one of our free shows or something yep sure thing ryan contacted us and says he liked listening to the extras he recommended for us we talked about pumpkin ales and he recommended that michigan brewing company's pumpkin ale he didn't used to like them but in the last few years he says it's been very good Spicy, closer to pumpkin pie than beer. That could be interesting. So that was just a suggestion. We'll give it a shot if we can find it. Um, Michigan Brewing Company. I don't think I've seen them around here. I'll have to get online and see where they're available. May have it at the bottle shop, the super bottle shop, maybe not. Okay, next one. Brian from Portland. He just found us via iTunes. He really enjoyed the Pale Ale Show. Wants us to keep up the good work. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Lives in Oregon. And uh, I think I said it right that time. Yeah. Well, I said it right compared to the other guy. Right. But Brian here is giving us different pronunciations for more things. Oregon. He says it's Oregon, and or Oregon, Oregon, instead of Oregon. The other guy said Oregon. It's the emphasis on the or. So it's Oregon. Oregon. I was okay. So that's almost the same way if you say it that way. And then it's Willamette. 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 Well, yes, because it rhymes with. Damn it. That's pretty close Willamette. to how I was saying it last week, I think. I've, I've kept using Willamette, which probably grates on people's nerves. So it's Willamette, and i got to get myself into that whenever we talk about Willamette Valley. So hopefully someday soon we'll stop offending all the Oregonians. The Oregonian. Yeah, he also suggests that if we want to try a Saison, Saison de Lily from Magnolia Pub and Brewery in San Francisco. Hmm, I don't know. Never, Never heard, heard of them, so I would doubt it's available out yeah. here. Next one is Jerry from Texas. He had a question about yeast in bottle-conditioned beer. He wants to know if it's the same yeast that the brewer uses during the brewing process or if they put in a different yeast for bottle conditioning. And the answer to that is it's usually the same yeast. But there is a case where some brewers, particularly the Belgian brewers, have their special yeast, like Chimay is one of them. They ferment with one yeast, they bottle condition with a different yeast. 
The reason they do that is a home brewer like me could take the dregs from the bottom of the bottle and culture a yeast starter off of uh-huh. it and try to brew Chimay. And I for see. some reason, they don't want you brewing with, you know, getting a sample of Chimay's pure yeast. So, so it's they, more of a copyright thing than anything else. It's more of sort of a, they're not a fan of open source beer. They're obfuscating yeah. their yeast. <laughs> So, yeah, because the Microsoft of beer company. Because if you culture it, you'll get a little bit of the original yeast. You'll get some, most of the bottling yeast, and yeah. it'll be hard to isolate it back out. If you're a micro- microbial chemist type person, you, you might be able to do, do something. But mm, short of that, that gives me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott from Texas says, "Hello, fellow babacious individuals." That's an interesting greeting. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you enjoyed our podcast, and let's thank for our effort and information. Well, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> We, we appreciate doing it. We, we love doing it, and we love that you guys like it. He suggests... Um, Doesn't really suggest anything. No. He uh, just goes on, tells us, you know, thanks for doing what we're doing. And he told us about his local uh, draft emporium called Flying Saucers. They're uh, throughout the, the south part. I know there's one in Raleigh, a few others. They have a large selection of craft beer. It's a good place to go if you're ever in a town that has a Flying Saucers. And then the last email is from a local boy. Hi, Ross. Ross in Pittsburgh. He said he checked out Clipper City's website, and they are definitely seem to be indicating that they're an English pale ale. Which we suspected. Yep. It says, as a counterpoint of to our gold, our pale ale was distinguished British in character with a firm malt character, crisp, angular hop finish, amber color, and a nice earthy aroma. So it's a lot of the character, yeah. everything we've said about what English should be. Okay. So he just wanted to send that on and also keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. Okay, here uh, we have a little bit of uh, a new segment here. A little thing to make you think and guess. This segment is called... What Beer Am I? Okay. More fun with our uh, (laughs) new mixer here. So I went through and uh, picked out a beer, and I'm going to give you clues. And, you know, this might be up your alley, might not. I thought it would be fun, you know, give some clues, try to figure out what beer that we're talking about. So the first clue is that the beer... Let's do it in the first person. Yeah. I'm a 750-milliliter caged and corked bottle. Interesting. There's plenty of those available, so... Second clue, I'm oak-aged. Hmm. That narrows it down a lot. It does. If you know where to look. It certainly does. Okay, well, what else do we have? Third clue, 10.4% alcohol by volume. You sound like you're pretty sweet. I'm a, I'm a strong beer. What else are you? I'm going to give you a good hint here. I'm a Belgian ale. Well, that certainly narrows it down. An oak-aged Belgian ale. And the f- but last there's, but the, there's plenty of room there. And the last one will narrow it down geographically for you. I am brewed in the Eastern Time Zone. Hmm. Now, already, I actually know the beer because we talked about this, but when I first got it, I had thought of a couple breweries that it could be in. Uh, one came to mind specifically, and I'm not going to mention it, but... It's not that one. <laughs> so if you think like Greg, then you don't want to take your first choice. Right. So we'll just see if anybody emails us. Uh, if nobody guesses, and I guess we'll, we'll just tell you and stop the segment. If people like it, we'll yeah. do more. Or if it, you know, we'll see. Maybe someone will get it right away. And we'll, like, you know, by, by the time I get up in the morning, we'll have a correct answer. Or maybe next week we'll have to give another clue or, or we'll <laughs> trash the segment. We'll see. see who likes it, see who doesn't. Just a little fun thing. Uh, we are over with our first segment, so we need to get our beers out of the fridge. Now, like we said, this is a summer spectacular, so 
They're all different types. We'll go over the different types when we try them. But they're, none of them are the same, so we can't really describe the style for you. Yeah, the other thing they have in common is that they're a summer seasonal beer. Yeah. Summer ales, summer lagers, and their styles are across the board. Need a beer, Glenn? Does Pope wear a funny hat? Yeah, Glenn, I guess it is kind of funny. All right, we're back. Okay, now, like we said before, and you probably, since we just said this before, probably annoyed by it already, all different styles, so just using a standard pint glass. Our first beer is Summerfest from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Now, you've, I'm sure you've heard of their pale ale. It's one of the uh, more widely available pale ales. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's a very high-profile um, microbrew. And I guess they can't really call themselves a microbrew considering they have an annual production of 500,000 barrels. So craft brewery. But if you uh, talk to anyone, if you can get them to name one microbrew, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick Sierra Nevada yeah. Pale Ale. Which makes sense. I mean, it's, it's not a bad Pale Ale. No. It's, it's not fantastic, but it's not it's not horrible. No, it's, it's a West Coast Pale Ale. And when it first came out, hugely hoppy for the style and everything. Now everything's gone crazy in the craft yeah. beer industry, so it's pretty calm, but it's still good drinking beer. And that's a good fallback when I'm at a restaurant that doesn't have a lot of great beer. I agree. Beer. I agree. So if that's the only one available, it's the only, you know, they have Guinness and Sierra Nevada sometimes, well, I'll take the Pale Ale. Why not? The Euro Pale Lager, which is similar to the uh, Munich Helles. It uses um, a noble hop variety, so like you're seeing most lagers, like the Pilsners, they'll have a, a mm. Saz hop or... A, Pearl, which are the two in this beer. I'm drawing a blank on some of the other noble hop varieties. So but you expect to get more of um, kind of a, a bready taste? Or um, not, from, not, from not the really malt, so much fruitiness. From the, yeah, it's not going to be fruity like a lot of the hop. It's not going to be the earthy. It's going to be a nice crisp hop flavor. Mm. It's going to be a little spicy. I'm actually not too well versed in these this style of beer, this pale Euro lager with mm-hmm. the Saz hops and stuff. Don't know it very well. We're walking in foreign territory here for me, well, so I'm not a super expert on this stuff. I mean, I'm actually getting some kind of fruity smell out of here with uh, definitely a little bit of a breadiness that you expect from, from a good lager. But, uh, so, you know, there's malt character, but mostly getting sort of a, sort of that hoppy aroma. It's, uh, not quite the same as a pale ale. It has a nice aroma. It's, um, it's a balanced aroma. You get some malt, and you're also getting a bit of, again, I'm trying to... To find a way to describe it, but it's that crisp hops. It's almost flowery in a sense. Almost ginger. Yeah, I guess ginger would be a good way to describe it. Hmm. That's good. It goes down with a... It's a lager with... Um, hmm. It's got this, this hoppiness, and it's got this malt kind of in the center, and the hoppiness flaring around the edges. It's pretty good for a lager. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, if I had to choose, I'd be mostly an ale guy. But this one... Um, this one goes down nicely. Nice and smooth. It doesn't have... I found this certain flavor in a lot of lagers. It's really hard for me to describe. I've never been able to figure out what it is. But it's to me, it's an unpleasant taste. A little bit of a, a sourness or something. Now, sour is not a real good way to describe hmm. it, but it's the best thing I can come up with. And it's in a lot of lagers, it's there. And there's some that aren't in, like... Um, the Elliot Ness from Great Lakes, the uh, Vienna lager. Mm. That was one of the first lagers I noticed that didn't have it. And I found other ones. Even in the Pilsners, there's a little bit of that flavor there. But I like the rest of the beer so much that I'm able to push it down. 
I did, wasn't able to detect that in this beer at all. Well, it has a very crisp ending to it, and it leaves sort of a little bit of a bitterness at the end. Crisp in the back of the mouth, bitterness on the tongue. You get a, a fair amount of hop flavor from this, hop aroma, now when you're swallowing it, and you're breathing air in over your tongue after mm-hmm. it's swallowed, you still get a lot of hop flavor there. It's nice and tasty. It's summer seasonal, obviously. I wasn't able to find exactly which months it's available, so we're just going to have to say summer for that. <laughs> 5% alcohol by volume. The bitterness in this, the IBUs is 32. It feels like it's more bitter, especially at the end. So it's interesting. I think well, it's because it's, 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 it's got hot flavor. It's got the hot not, flavor. Hot flavor is not bitterness. And it's got that sort of dryness at the end, I think, that brings out a little bit of that bitterness taste. So that's probably why I'm tasting it. uses two-row pale malt and uh, dextrin in Munich as well. So the Munich's going to give it a lot of that bready flavor that you're getting out mm-hmm. of it. Which is actually kind of, I don't taste the bready flavor so much. I taste more of a sugary malt. Mm-hmm. This won the gold medal at the California State Fair in 1999. Remember last week how we were talking how the Anderson Valley won the CSF? Uh-huh. We didn't know CSF? California State California Fair. California State Fair. Wow, well, hey, a state fair that has a beer competition. Uh, actually, I think a lot of state fairs have homebrew really? competitions. I have to check and see if well, the Big Butler Fair is over now. But from what I've been reading, it's not that unusual for homebrew competitions to be at state fairs. That's interesting. Uh, I think it's next weekend. I'm going down to Maryland. We're going to take my niece. She's one year old, and she loves animals. We're going to take her to the Montgomery County Fair. Okay. And see all the, I, I doubt they have a beer fest there, but have her see all the little pigs and and farm animals and stuff like that. It's one of those because Montgomery County still has like sort of a farm. I mean, actually, now it's mostly... Just it's mostly just a suburb of Washington D.C. Oh, okay, but they still have some farm areas, and they had this fair. All right, Sierra Nevada is out of Chico, California, and their website is sierra-nevada.com. Distribution area, I'm pretty sure, is everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like I say, like we said, you you can find it pretty much anywhere, or at least you can find Sierra Nevada. As to whether you can find the Summer Ale, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you can. Summer Fest is what it's called, not Summer Ale. Because it's not a male, it's a lager. So I like it. It, it. it definitely would fit the summer. It was 95 degrees outside right now <laughs> here in Pittsburgh. So it kind of fits the whole heat wave that's going around the country. Yeah, I'm enjoying the aroma. It, like I said, it's sweet, but it has some hops in there. It's mm-hmm. very balanced. It's, it's intricate. It's hard to pick any one thing out to describe because yeah. it, it's nice and balanced. I think that the ginger sort of taste comes through a bit too, that sort of spiciness that you get maybe from pickled ginger, the gari that you get at sushi. Okay. I am noticing that the, our glasses are getting empty quite quick here. Yeah. It's, it's rather drinkable. Definitely. It goes down very easy. It's nice. I mean, I definitely recommend, if, you're gonna, if you want to get a lawnmower beer, this is probably one of the best. This is probably one of the best you can get. Not even a lawnmower beer, sitting by the pool. Yeah, beer. yeah. Somewhere where you're outside, it's hot. So what would you eat? What do you think you would want to eat with this? I would say something light like fish or poultry. Something yeah. Like that. I wouldn't go for anything heavy like a burger. I wouldn't put any bread with this. I like the idea of poultry, fish especially. Uh, this would go really well with sushi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's go get some sushi. <laughs> we got a show to do, Jeff. Oh, man. Uh, so that's, this, that's the Summerfest from Sierra Nevada. Our next beer, Anchor Summer Beer from Anchor Brewing Company in San Francisco, California. I think this is our first Anchor. Yep, this is the first Anchor we've done on the show. About time since they're the the 
brewery that started off the microbrewing revolution. Although I, there are uh, some people who claim that that's not true, and you know, some people who have differing opinions. Oh yeah, there was that. What was that other brewery in California? Um, someone sent us an email yeah. saying that they are the original microbrewery, and first just made it. You know, got the headlines for it. And that's possible. I mean, Alexander Graham Bell didn't really invent the telephone, but he gets credit. Oh, which brewery was that? We'll have to look it up and put notes on the show, I guess, because <laughs> I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, we didn't actually go over the look of the Sierra Nevada, which was typical lager, I guess. It was essentially it was straw-colored. kind of. It a, had a little bit of amber to it. It yeah. wasn't a pale yellow, but it was a nice, rich, full yellow. Whereas this one is... Um, this one's a little bit lighter, I think. Yeah, it's lighter in, in color. It doesn't really have as much as much bubbly character to it. The head is, is relatively thick, though, so it, but it's not really creamy. It's sort of um, loose. This beer is an American Pale Wheat Ale. Hmm. This is Anchor's Summer Beer. And, you know, it, what I'm smelling is mostly wheat. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not really, and like you expect from a wheat, you don't expect much in the way of hoppiness. I'm just mostly getting sort of that weedy, bready. Yeah, it's a, it's a very bready nose on this beer. Crisp flavor. Mm. Finishes uh, very crisp, nice and crisp. Without, dare I say, much complexity to it. There's a little bit of, I guess, sort of malty, a sort of sour maltiness on on the side. Crispness in the flavor, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it's almost. I'm I'm kind of getting almost a lemony flavor from it in terms of sourness, but it's sort of like a half a taste, but not tasting the kind of flavors I'm expecting, the banana or stuff like that that I normally get out of a half. I'm getting more of the the citrusy and not too much peppery, but a hint of it than a lot of American wheats that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. So, And that's a flavor I really like out of the Hefeweizen style. So I'm enjoying the, that I'm able to find that in this beer. But I, I'm noticing it's a little bit, and I don't want to say it's necessarily bad, it's just it's a little bit simple. There's a fair amount in the very finish of the taste, fair yeah. amount of complexity. Get some tanginess, you get Sometimes, a little bit of the fruity. The beginning, it's it's a light mouthfeel, and like it feels like it goes from the from your lips yeah. to the back half of your tongue in an instant. Yeah. And then from there, you're getting a little That's bit of true. flavor. That's true. Kind of, the flavor sort of evolves on your tongue. But I mentioned on the extras from last week's show that sometimes an overly complex beer is too much. I tend, I can actually appreciate a beer that just is relatively simple. Make up your mind, Weiss. I like it. I, I <laughs> okay. like. I like that it's straightforward. I'm not saying it's bad that it's straightforward. I'm just saying it, it, it is straightforward. It's it's doesn't really give you much in the way of complexity. If you're looking for a complex beer, this probably isn't the one you're going for, although it does have some finishing tastes that evolve on your yeah. tongue. Yeah, I mean, almost all the that are in a place you know, where you're def- trying to figure out what you're tasting, it's all when, on the very back of your tongue. And once it's down your throat, you're analyzing the aroma that's still in your mm-hmm. mouth. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate an uncomplex beer that's not you know, a, a, an American lager. That's you know tastes like metal or tastes like corn. Well, exactly. This beer, the only thing we're picking out about it is it's not as challenging as other beers. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to find something bad about it, though, there's not much there. No, I, I mean, I, don't, I, I do not want to imply at all that it's bad. Well, I just wanted to state yeah. that you know I'm not picking out any obvious flaws on this beer. It's a good beer. It, it's good. It doesn't have you know all the tastes are very well balanced for what it is. 
So the beer is warming up a little bit. We're just about done with it. I mean, like the previous one, it's going down very easily. I'm noticing a little bit of more lemony now. I a noticed- little bit more citrusy. Uh, the, the I can sort of describe the flavor on the tongue as almost flowery, almost potpourri. Okay. I noticed with the last couple sips that I'm getting the flavor, the, the lemony, the citrusy, earlier, farther towards the front of my tongue. So it's mm. warming up and getting a little more flavor before, you know, before it's all the way back. Sounds like maybe an odd way to describe it, but doing, the, doing what I'm telling you what I'm feeling here. I definitely agree with you in, the, in that the citrusy taste is coming out more as it, as it warms. This is probably a beer that needs to warm up a bit. In order it's for... not that cold. We didn't have them in the fridge that long before we started this time. So I think they're probably accurate. Personal preference for you and me is we notice when these beers get above their suggested serving temperature, we're getting new flavors out right. of them. So for us, too, we probably like them a little bit warmer. If you're like us, then you probably would like these beers, most beers, a little yeah. bit warmer than usual. Well, it's not unusual for me to grab a beer and drink it right out of my cellar at cellar yeah. temperature. Even things that should be served cooler, I'll drink it warm and I'll enjoy it perfectly, mm-hmm. so... I noticed that another beer, another beer that I can think of, and unfortunately this is not a beer that our listeners can get, another beer I can think of that tastes better as it warms was the raspberry wheat that we brewed. Oh, okay. Uh, it was, you know, like this one, a wheat beer, probably a pale with raspberry extract. Didn't and it start tasting medicine when it warmed up, though? It was, it was interesting because <laughs> some of them tasted better when they were warm, some of them tasted better when okay. they were cold. Some huh. of it, I don't know why. It's, yeah, the medicine-y taste started to come out occasionally when it got warm, but other times that it sort of evolved to be a better beer as it warmed up. So who okay. knows? That was a weird one, but I liked it. If we ever do it again, we'll make sure we use fresh raspberries. Yes, yeah, but it'll be tough because we'll probably have to clean out the <laughs> No. Oh, well, yeah, cleaning that out would be a bit of a pain. I was listening to the new episode of Basic Brewing Radio, uh-huh. that homebrew one, and uh, coming up... In the next week or so is uh, National Mead Day, hmm. homebrewing session, and they were talking about mead a little bit. And mead, for if you don't know, it's a fermented honey, honey beverage, and it's probably the first fermented beverage that humans found and ate and mm-hmm. drank. They were talking about making mead a little bit, and got me a little bit interested. So we might be brewing a batch of mead. Well, I mean, I know that it's going to be very sweet. <laughs> okay. And see, that's another thing. I've never yeah. had mead, and I... Should go look. Maybe Dee's has some mead. I don't know. I don't know if that has to be sold at a liquor store, maybe, because it's so expe- or so high in alcohol. I guess you can have mead that's around 7%, and you can also have mead that's around 18%. Well, I mean, you figure you got, you know, honey is sugar, and the more sugar, the more alcoholic, generally. Right. So. Yeah, but I've never had mead, but it got me, my curiosity <laughs> a little bit peaked there, so. I, I heard of, um, I, I know somebody who said that his, uh, his father was brewing mead for the first time and didn't know how much to, honey to put in, so he put five pounds of honey. And he said it was almost sickly sweet. Really? <laughs> yeah. I know um, the guy on James on Basic Brewing Radio, he made a five-gallon batch, and he put in 10 and 12 pounds of honey. Really? Time. So that was his recipe. So I don't was know it, if your friend was, was making Was it five this. pounds or was it like 50 pounds? <laughs> no, it couldn't have been 50 pounds. I don't know. He put in a lot of honey. We should we should explain that um, Anchor is available. You should be able to find Anchor pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I believe they're distributed in all yeah. states. Well, our next beer is um, we've been doing Anderson Valley a lot, 
and we were considering not holding this off until the extras, but I think we mentioned that we were doing Anderson Valley last week. So we're going to bring it out this week. Anderson Valley's Summer Solstice Cerveza Sum- Crema. Yep. Summer Solstice Cerveza Crema. It's a cream ale, which is sort of uh, it's spawned from American light lagers, as a matter of fact. It's uh, brewed as an ale, but finished with the lager yeast or some lager beer mixed in occasionally. And adjuncts may be used, but I don't think that Anderson Valley... Which yeah, that, is a, that's just a style description. Yeah. I would assume this is an all-malt beer. Anderson Valley is a, is a company that we really respect. We, we like a lot of their beers. Okay, this beer is not what I expected when I heard cream ale. No, it's sort of a dark copper. It's got a, a, very, a light head on it. What's that smell? What is that? It is... Um, it's malty. Malty. Well, that's it. It smells like uh, barley malt extract. Yeah. It smells just like the malt extract you use when you're brewing. There's not really a hop character to it, to at least the, the smell. Tastes like a cream soda. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's got a full mouthfeel that really just fills up your mouth when you take it. It's malty taste, a little bit of... Um, the hops come later. The hops come after after you swallow it and you let the air filter in. And the hops are just sort of like most of these beers on the sides of your mouth, around your cheeks. Not maybe the very tippy sides of your tongue and your cheeks. You get some hoppiness, but it's it's this kind of flowing maltiness. It really goes down easy. I think the the creamy part. Yeah, I mean it honestly tastes like a cream soda. Yeah, and until. When it's on the beginning taste, when it's on the tip of your tongue, to the bat, to the middle, it tastes like cream soda. There's this vanilla. And then, yeah. and then once you get past that, then you're starting to taste more of the beer. You're tasting a little bit of the hops and the, the dry, you know, a little bit tart dryness. And but yeah, that that was surprising. The first sip, you're like, yeah, who put the A and W in my <laughs> in my Anderson Valley? I mean, it does have that sort of vanilla that goes right down the middle of your tongue, right down the middle. It's, it's just, and it, I can still taste it. This sort of vanilla, this lingering vanilla malt taste. This beer is 5.6% alcohol by volume. I think uh, Anderson Valley has a winner with their Solstice series because, wow, these are good stuff. Yeah, this has, uh, I expected something lighter. And um, this is, like I said, it's copper colored, has a lot of mouthfeel, mm-hmm. a lot of flavor. Um, like I said, it's really sweet and vanilla on the beginning of the sip. And at the end of the sip, it dries out a little bit. You get a little bit of hop aroma, dry finish on it. I wonder what others would taste, somebody who doesn't necessarily like craft beer, if you were to give them a shot, taste of this, would they be like, what are you giving me? I mean, would they be tasting, like we feel, some cream soda and then a little bit extra at the end? I don't know, like cream soda and then beer. Well, I know Heather would say it tastes like beer. (laughs) So I won't even call her down to give it a try. I might try this with my friend Matt, just to see what he thinks. Is he the one that uh, just drinks macro beer, right? Yes, he's the one who loves Budweiser. Loves it. He'll be like, why'd you put soda in my, you know, this ain't beer, this is soda. <laughs> uh, I, I did get him to go to the um, the Penn Brewery, the, the okay. Penn Beer Fest. I think we, I introduced him. I don't remember. Yeah, you probably remember. <laughs> it was a busy night and I had some beers. <laughs> I can certainly tell that they did not use any adjuncts in this one. No, I'm wondering how they got the vanilla flavor, though. 
I really don't know. I mean, yeah, I couldn't imagine what they, I, what combination of grains they use to, to pull that flavor. I in doubt that. they'd throw in vanilla beans into the process. That would probably mess it up. I know uh, some people that brew with it, but I would doubt that this is anything other than normal barley malt. Maybe some uh, malted oats or something to give it a little bit of that creaminess might be in it. I wonder if some of that lager yeast may contribute. Could. I, w- I, I couldn't imagine what would give it such a vanilla flavor, though. That's... It's a surpriser, that's yeah. for sure. From that first pour out of the bottle, I couldn't believe the color. First smell, it uh, well, the smell was pretty normal. I mean, it, but it smelled a lot more yeah. like you know, dry malt extract than you would expect. And then flavor, holy smoke! <laughs> this is a good one. This I could have a couple of very easily. I don't think I'd have too many. I'd probably jump up to something nice and hoppy next. Or I don't know. This is the kind of thing that I could really. I could really swig down a couple of them and, and you know, get to the point where I shouldn't be drinking anymore. It's a little too malty for me to enjoy it too much. Like I like the dry beers, so it's a little on the malty side. I enjoy it, but it, like I said. I think this would go well with the burger. I think so because, like, root beer. Yeah, or, you could pair this up with dessert almost. You could pair this up with dessert. You could pair this up with a good deli sandwich. Like a good pastrami sandwich or something like that. I wonder how this would pair up beside vanilla ice cream. I don't know. Because there is that hoppiness at the end. Okay. Which could kind of throw you off a bit. But I think like some a good pastrami or corned beef sandwich on rye. Or maybe mustard. not. Instead of vanilla. I'm, I'm how, about, how, about some cho- how about some chocolate? Hmm. That'd be an interesting choice. I don't know. Because chocolate tends to get. Maybe a brownie. A chocolate brownie. Chocolate can, can be pretty rich, and it might kind of dull the taste. Okay. I mean, I'm just, you know, get so much yeah. vanilla flavor. I'm trying to figure out what dessert or something it would go with. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, you go to a deli, and you get a cream soda, and you get a deli sandwich. and You know, those, those kind of go together really well. The deli meat with the mustard and maybe a little, I'm not a big mayo fan, but a pickle. Bring out some of the extra flavors of the malt. Anderson Valley, you surprising, surprising <laughs> brewery. Good stuff. When are you going to make something we don't like? <laughs> That's what we should do. We should go on a hunt for the uh, the beer the we don't Anderson like. The one Anderson Valley we don't like. I mean, it, it's funny because we were, we were considering doing brewery verticals at some point, and the first I was thinking of was doing with Dogfish Head, but now I'm thinking Anderson Valley. Well, we'll have to see how many are left. Yeah. If we keep tasting them at the rate we're tasting Anderson Valley, I'm not going to have too many untasted beers to do yeah, in a vertical. Yeah, that's true. You're sick about hearing us talk about Anderson Valley. Um, we'll try to keep them off for a couple weeks here. We'll try. But if we're doing a style and we see that Anderson Valley it's, bottle, it's there, hard. It's hard to refuse it. Exactly. It's one of those. It, it's almost like you can. You're going to get a guarantee that it's going to be a good, flavorful beer. Anderson Valley is available in a bunch of states, but not every state. We have probably about 25 or so. Yeah, you won't find it in like Tennessee. Um, but Florida. you can go to Kentucky. You can go to Kentucky and find it there. So you have the West Coast, you have the Southwest, you have uh, East Coast, and well, the, some, the Northern East Coast, Northern East Coast, Maryland and above, really. And then you have some scattering in between so North Carolina too. So yeah, if we read them all, though, it would just sound like yeah. a bunch of states being read. And you can go to their website and find out. I like it. Yes, it was good, but. It was a little too malty for me to be drinking up several of those. I, I, I think we described, we discussed this before. I, I like a maltier beer 
I was kind of bred into the bread, but I was pushed into craft beer through malty beers, and so I still like that sort of malty taste. I like brown ales a lot. Our last beer of the night is Harpoon's Summer Beer, which is a Kolsch style. It's the first Kolsch I think we've had. On the show, absolutely. Yeah. I could only, I've probably only had two or three Kolsch's in my life. Kolsch, it's an ale. It's uh, first brewed in Köln, Germany. Oh, that's what this one does. I was also reading that it's from Cologne, Germany. So, but this sheet here says Köln. Hmm. This beer is out of Boston. Uh, Kolsch is light, medium body, pale color, hoppy bitterness, slight, maybe medium, and almost grapey or viney dry flavor. It also says in the, that this style was not very popular until American brew pubs and microbrews started picking it up again. Hmm. So it was pretty, pretty isolated in Germany. And American brew pubs is probably where we're going to find most of yeah. Kolsch's in the world now, from what I've read. And when I was up in Boston for the, the Extreme Beer Fest, Harpoon was everywhere. I mean, ev- almost every bar seemed to have Harpoon in it. So mm-hmm. clearly it's very popular up there. And I'm getting sort of a... Uh, Estery aroma, I guess. I'm getting a yeasty aroma in mine. That's what I'm picking up most. Is just the yeast type smell. I'm getting a yeast with a little bit, a little bit of estery stuff in there too. And what we should mention also is light, light in color, uh, straw colored, small, very small head. It has a fairly light mouth feel. Yeah, it's light mouth feel. There's a considerable amount of malt in the taste, and it's kind of surrounding the whole mouth with this sort of malty taste. You know what? To me, it tastes more like a lager than the Sierra Nevada does. <laughs> I can see that. There's hoppiness in the back of the tongue. A little bit of hoppy bitterness on the, on the back of the tongue. Um, but mostly, it's this malt that kind of almost surrounds your mouth. I don't think it tastes that much like a lager, to be honest with you. I think it tastes somewhat malty like the Anderson Valley. Well, maybe still detecting some of the malt from the Anderson Valley Yeah, you Valley might still have some of that on your tongue. Maybe have a little bit of water here and see if I can clear that out. It's a, it's a dry beer. It's yeah. primarily malty. Not too much hops to speak of in the, the flavor of it. it. uses a Vanguard hop, which is not one that I'm, too, that I'm familiar with. So it's probably a very subtle low alpha type hop. It tastes the same again to me, where you get this sort of hoppy bitters in the back of your tongue. But this sort of surrounding malt around the front and middle, and all around the sides of your mouth too. It's really interesting for a summer beer. I think it's a, it's kind of. I mean, I never haven't had many Kolsch's. I, this might be the first one I've ever had actually that I've known was a Kolsch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's got interesting sort of texture to it. I wonder what would go. You know what would go well with this. Oysters. Okay. Raw oysters. <laughs> I was just noting that for as malty as the beer is, it's very dry, which is almost opposites. Yeah. In a lot of, it, it is opposites in a lot of beers. In the style description, it mentioned somewhat vinous, grapey from the malts. And well, I think that might be the how it got dry. Yeah. I, I, I just feel that this would go well with seafood. Uh, shrimp. The shellfish, I think, would really go well with like a, a clam, but like I said, oysters. Man, this would go great with oysters. 
Okay, I, I can, can see that. I want to say I can taste oysters on this, but I can sort of imagine what tasting oysters with this beer is like, and this is a good one for that. Yeah, I'm not no, I'm not able to imagine this with you know downing oysters mm-hmm. and hot sauce or anything. But I was thinking of like a pasta with some scallops and shrimp would be pretty mm, good. Yeah, I think that the shellfish and uh, that kind of taste will go really well with this. Now I'm in the mood for scallops. <laughs> Man. We've had a whole changing array of food today. Yeah, I think that's you know because you almost taste sort of a a, a sort of seafoody taste mm-hmm. at the end of this beer. I think that's what's kind of bringing it on. A little yeah. bit of that far off ocean taste. Okay. I'm just amazed again at the malt and the dry in the same beer because they're almost mutually exclusive. At least, you know, they have been in most every beer that we've tasted. Yeah. Either sweet and malty or they're dry and less malty, you know. The, the hop is the dominant flavor or something. Mm-hmm. But this one starts out with a full malty mouthfeel and goes into the goes into dryness. Sort of, yeah. I don't think lobster would go well with this, though. Lobster is probably too rich. It's a, it's it's an interesting beer. Uh, it often is making me think of seafood. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could figure out more things to pick out in the flavor. But it, it again, it's another simple beer like yeah. the uh, Anchor. It's not much there, but it's. I like this better than the Anchor. I think it's more drinkable. I don't, you know, it's weird because now is now is about the point. Now is about the time when we start to rank our beers. Yep, that's kind of what I was getting into. And I don't know. Well, I. <laughs> Got to hand it to Anderson Valley because once again, they're number one. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, that uh, wow, the vanilla in that beer was uh, you know, I hate tasting a beer, and the first thing yeah. I say to the listeners is wow, because I sound like such just a fanboy then. Yeah, but you just drink something that's completely startling, like the uh, the Philadelphia Pale Ale we had last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. How else are you gonna say this is different? You can't like have four exclamation points, you know, on a podcast. So it, it it was just really good and really drinkable and different, not what you were expecting. I think all the stuff Anderson Valley makes, all the stuff we've had at least from them, just comes out at you and really kind of entices you to drink it. And a lot of them are not big beers; yeah. they're not super high in alcohol. Now, I think tonight the the summer solstice was the highest at five point six. But they're not huge. Mm-hmm. They're not crazy with all the flavor and complexity. But they're solid, solid beers. So let's see, ranking wise, I would. I'll see if I was doing. Um, Again, this is hard, also because they're all different beers. Right, and there's you know two ways to do it. I said the Anderson Valley was not very drinkable for me. Couldn't have a few of them. But for one, it was very unique. I think the most drinkable of the night. Was oh man! <laughs> I'd almost say this is hard to do without the right food. <laughs> Screw the ranking, ranking. Yeah, suck. at this point, it's really hard to do a ranking because they're all just really different, really, really different. And unfortunately, I don't think we can give you a good ranking because the, the last three, we're just not sure where to put them. And the, well, even the first one, the Summerfest, I liked. That was very drinkable. Mm-hmm. So if you're going drinkability. I think that one and the harpoon would be the top two. If you're going by um, uh, just enjoying the flavor, it would be the Anderson Valley and I guess the anchor, because the anchor mm. was the wheat that I liked. So depends on which way I look at it. you got 
Two on one side, two on the other side. See, I'm thinking for drinkability, i go with Anderson Valley, like I said. I think that was really drinkable. I'd also maybe go with, I'm having a hard time remembering the beers because they've been so different. Maybe the Anchor next, and then Harpoon and C- No, but Sierra Nevada. See, the Sierra Nevada was the really smooth one. Yeah. The Anchor was the wheat, which I liked because it had a little more of the Hefe character than a lot of American Yeah, but I felt like that especially got really drinkable as it went on. I started to say it's really not that, it's not that complex, but I like that in a beer mm-hmm. sometimes. Right. And I like, uh, <laughs> I'm just having a hard time ranking these. I really can't. I, I just can't do it. I'm just going to say Anderson Valley, if you see that, pick it up. The other ones, if you see them, pick them up. I think you'll like them. And if you've got all four and you have to try one because you want something different, get the Anderson Valley. Yeah. But if you if you see any of these at a at a bottle shop or a, or a pub, you're not going to go wrong. Absolutely not. That is it for this show. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly had a good time. You can check out our extra feed from our website, or if you've subscribed to our extra podcast feed from the website, you will get that episode automatically. We're going to be tasting the Mendocino Summer Ale 2005, and our warm up beer was. The Great Divide Denver Pale Ale, which is not in the style, but you'll find that information and us just chitting and chatting about other things in our extra content. Thanks for listening. All right, bye. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Hey,